This is the 200 Churches Podcast, episode 272. Theologically, we know it's my job to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. But our structures say, you pay me and I'll study the Bible for you. You pay me and I'll make sure to visit widows and orphans for you. You pay the missionaries and they'll go and evangelize for you. Basically, you pay me and I'll be holy for you. You don't have to be holy yourself. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a legit episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who have been encouraging thousands of pastors all around the world for five years. Good friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Cady. I am here with my good friend, co-host, podcast partner, formerly long-haired pastor, no longer long hair, freshly trimmed and cut, beautiful Johnny, young man. Johnny Craig, wow, thank you. Johnny, I just, I ran out of breath, and I also kind of ran out of adjectives, too. I mean, Once you got to the hair, there's not much to say anymore. You're it's good, a sad state. You're good, but only, you know, only so good. Only, yeah, exactly. Only so, only so describable. You know what, Jeff? I miss doing this live. I do, too. It's, I it, it sounds good. The people, you know, listening right now, old Kevin on his treadmill, he doesn't know. He doesn't, he doesn't know. know. But I miss it for my own heart. I miss you, Jeff. Well, uh, thank you, Johnny. I don't really. <laughs> I don't, left you with nothing. I'm a 50 something. I don't really know what to say after that, but uh, hey. Too many feels. Too many feels. <laughs> I'll, I'll receive it. Let, hey, last week we had a great guest that we're going to have on well we you and i recorded with him last week yes we've got him on for this week but first but first our dear and beloved sponsor trained up dot church trained up you're smiling how how excited are our listeners to hear us talk about trained up dot church we might have overdone it we might have overdone it with the sponsorship you guys when they sign up for it when they sign up for it we can stop talking about it there you go there you go we got a quota we got a quota (laughs) no we do we love trained up dot church you've heard us talking about it if you haven't checked it out yet after all we've talked about it i'm disappointed in you i really am we got to at least check it out. I have I have my administrative assistant coming to me, telling me as we're putting together a new uh, vo- guest volunteer ministry, right? Volunteers to help with our guests, try to connect people when they first come into do- the door, or the door, however you want to say it. You know, <laughs> capture first time attenders, all that stuff. She comes to me and she said, "Yeah." She goes, "I'm using uh, trained up dot church." She goes, "And I'm watching some of their." videos that we're assigning and i'm learning a lot there's a lot of yeah. good stuff on trained up church i said kathy i am going to tell everybody in our podcast family that you you have approved of trained up church and that you personally are learning and growing through the process if you didn't do it because of us go do it because of kathy trained up church promo code 200 churches all caps and uh yeah check it out jeff who is on the podcast today? The shark, man. The shark has swum back into the lagoon. <laughs> and Carl, Carl the Shark Vaders. Yes. It's Carl. been a long time since we had Carl Vaders on the podcast. You know, I was I was writing I was writing the post for this episode, episode two seventy two, and realized it's been almost five years, Johnny, since our first interaction with Carl on an episode. Oh. That's very cool. I think it was August 2013. 
almost wow. five years. I mean, my son and daughter-in-law went to his church on their honeymoon out in California. Isn't that something else? We're tight. We're tight. In those five years, he has written two books and exploded to conferences all over, and, and we've, you know, we've done a couple of podcasts. <laughs> We're we're still here. We're still here serving small a, church pastors. Hey, we love. I'm so happy for Carl and his success. I there's no bitterness. I'm very happy for him. No, but he said some. I like what he had to say about you know the dozen or so of us that have really leaned into affirming yeah. and encouraging small church pastors, really yep. elevating the whole. What he said. Now I'm remembering, Johnny. So of course, you know, we're recording this today, but we talked to Carl last week. It's a long time. It's a long time for me. For me, it is, and probably not for you, Johnny. But what he said about what he's learned in five years of writing the book, The Grasshopper Myth, and then yeah. speaking at probably by now dozens, if not scores, of gatherings of small church yeah. pastors. He's learned the impact, like the like the serious importance of small churches. I have learned the exact same thing in these five years. I was listening to an episode this morning that I had assigned to my elders, Johnny. You were talking on it. I wasn't on that episode. And you were bringing the guest back around to the small church pastor. How does this yeah. fit with the small church pastor? Because there's th- tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of you out around the United States, uh, Australia, all around the world. By the way, now I've checked 10% of our listeners are down under 10%, baby. That's awesome. That's a lot. We're tithing Australia. That's so, how that's how I'm going to think about it. <laughs> there you go. So, good day to all of you down down under. We're so glad <laughs> that you've joined us. So, yeah, small church uh pastors and small church ministry, the whole concept, the whole understanding has been elevated in the last 5 years even a little bit because of the work that we've done. I love it. I love it, and I love Carl's passion. You're going to hear that on this episode, his intensity. His blog is Pivot. It's at Christianity Today. He tells you the fastest way to get to it, and uh, we know that you're going to enjoy this conversation with Carl the Shark Vaders. Carl Vaders, so good to have you back on the 200 Churches podcast. It's been way too long. It has been. I I was wondering where all the love went. (laughs) Where did our love go, as she sang some time ago? The love is strong, Carl. You've you've hit the big time between now and the last time we talked, though. Well, I don't know if it's big time, but things are certainly going well, yeah. That's very cool. Now, um, I'm sure everybody knows who Carl Vaders is, but something happened recently in your life beyond your book. You've had a you've had a change, a ministry change. For those who don't maybe follow you on Facebook or uh, don't don't know you in that social kind of way, what's uh, what's going on with you, the small church pastor man? Yeah, we've just recently made a transition where I have stepped out of the lead pastor role, and I'm now the teaching pastor at the church. And my longtime youth pastor has stepped up, and he's now the lead pastor of the church. And um, it happened for a handful of reasons. One, my schedule was just becoming unmanageable uh, with all of the blogging and traveling and writing and pastoring a church at the same time. And secondly, he was feeling a real call and a real draw to to pastor. It started about two years ago. We, He and I have been working together for 25 years. So about twice a year, we sit down and we have the big picture talk. Where are we going? How are we doing? How's the church going? And in this big picture talk about two years ago, he was kind of uncertain in, in starting thoughts and not finishing them. And that's not like him. We've been working together so long, we finish each other's sentences. All of a sudden, it occurred to me what it was that he was getting at. And I looked at him and I went, you want my job, don't you? <laughs> well, he said, 
who said somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah. Oh, no. And if you're not going to do it, then I might as well. So it immediately he was like, I, no, I don't. But yeah, I kind of do. But no, I really. I said, well, so just, you know, out with it. What's going on? He said, I feel called to pastor, but I don't feel called to pastor a church. This is my church. This is my home. This mm. is where I'm going to serve. And I feel like God is calling me to pastor, but I don't want you not to be my pastor. And I certainly don't want to take your job from you. And I don't know what we do with this. And so I said, well, here's my situation. I'm trying to figure out how to offload as much of the load as I can on the administrative end and so on. Let's see if we can figure this out. And we spent a few months meeting once a week until we came up with the idea. And I just looked at him and I said, yeah, you need to be the pastor. And if I can step aside from that and stay on as the teaching pastor. So I'm operating in the part of, in the parts where I'm strongest and where I have the most passion and I don't have to do the administration and so on. And he gets to step up and be the main, you know, uh, do, you know, go-getter and vision caster. And what the main reason as we sat down and really prayed through it, we realized was this. For 25 years, our church has been built on a, a teaching platform because uh, that's what I do best. I'm a teacher. I'm a communicator. And we needed that. We needed the theological base. And then we would do outreach from the theological base. We are now at a point where we need for the outreach to lead and have the theological base support it rather than the theological base being the first thing and outreach being kind of a secondary deal. It's just the transition that our church needs to go through right now. And in order to make sure that that is the emphasis, it can't have my face on it because that's not my strength and my gift. It's his strength and his gift. So we made the shift about seven weeks ago, and so far, it's been going great. That's good. That's good. And you've got uh, you've got your new book out, uh, Small Church Essentials, Moody Publishers. And uh, I hear that that is selling very well, which means... Good news, a lot of small church pastors are able to get their hands on this and be encouraged and trained by it. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, the grasshopper myth was and continues to sell pretty well to everybody's surprise, especially mine. But that one was self-published. So it was all, you know, I've literally, you know, packaged up every book and sent them out. So this is with a publisher and with a really good, solid publisher. Moody's been around a long time and they know their stuff. Uh, So it has immediately had a bigger reach and a bigger audience. It's in bookstores that I could never get into and those kinds of things. And the feedback on it so far has really just been overwhelmingly positive. We, we're really feeling blessed by that. That's very cool, Carl. Now, I will admit, I think Jeff has my copy, but we don't work together anymore. I do have it. And so I have, he has it and I, I do. don't have it. And so you uh, have to tell uh-oh. me now what the book is about. Because <laughs> Jeff has my copy, uh, but we are close, but not like uh, across the hall close like we used to be. So I have not cracked this book open. I'll admit it. Look, to God and everybody, I'm the last person to show up to this party. Uh, <laughs> talk to me, Small Church, small church Essentials. Talk to me about the book. It's a kind of a continuation from the grasshopper myth. The grasshopper myth was basically encouraging small church pastors, talking about the whole dynamic of how we haven't valued them, valued small churches as much as we should. It's really kind of, a, for lack of a better term, a philosophical statement about the value of small churches. But it doesn't leave anybody with a lot of hands-on, okay, now what do we do about this thing? So since I wrote it, I've been doing conferences, and every time I do a conference talk, I sit and talk to other small church pastors. So over the last five years, I've learned a lot from them about the practical really means to 
pastor a small church and how particularly how it's different from a big church because we can get the big church principles anywhere. Um, so I put them all together in the book. So the further you go into the book, the more and more practical nuts and bolts that it gets. So that's really what it is. It's the first book says a healthy small church is possible. The second book says, and here's are some ways that we might be able to do that. Carl, what do you feel or believe about small church ministry that you didn't five years ago before you really got into this and, and getting feedback from other pastors? I didn't realize that small churches were already playing such a vital and essential and critical role in the body of Christ. If you'd asked me back then, did I think that small churches were valuable? Yeah, I'd have said yes, and I'd have been honest about it. Um, But there was always a thing in the back of my head, but, you know, maybe they're small because they're not as effective, including my own church. That was my whole process that I had to go through and come out the other side of. So that was the main thing is that there is such an extreme amount of value going on, so much good ministry going on, but attached to that also... So, so Carl, can I just say before before you continue, I have found the exact same thing, and I've been talking about that to pastors live and on our podcast, exact same thing. I've realized the value and the input of small small churches all around the country, really all around the world. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, and then attached to that, has been the lack of resources. It continues to frustrate me, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, I, I use I use an illustration in in Small Church Essentials where I say, as I'm digging for small church ideas, I, I constantly feel like a pig digging for truffles. Which you know, it's it's hard work at times. It's nasty and 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 um, difficult work and frustrating work. But the truffle is of such value that it's worth going through all the hassle to find these nuggets. And then whenever I do find one, I treasure it very, very closely and then try to share it in the best way possible. Because um, aside from, you know, maybe a dozen of us and you guys are included in that dozen, there are very few people who are, are communicating about small church resources on a regular basis. Well, it's not going to make you rich or famous, Carl, that's for sure. <laughs> I think that's part of the pro- That's part of the reason is uh it's it's not glamour work, but I like that uh, digging for truffles because it's so true. Um, it's a beautiful thing to that feeling of communicating with a pastor, talking with a pastor, and realizing, wow, they felt alone until they found your book or our podcast. You know what I mean? And that um, they have so much that they can offer to us, and uh, we just feel blessed to be part of that. So. I love that, Carl. Is so. What what kind of? Give me a taste here. What are some essentials of a small church? Give me your favorite one from your book. The whole book kind of hinges on. If, if there's one big idea in the book, it's this. Um, I discovered something a few years ago called the law of large numbers. And the law of large numbers states that the larger the group, the more predictably it behaves. And the converse of that is the smaller the group the less predictably it behaves. Hmm. And so when you get up, let's say, so, so if, if I'm pastoring a church of 2000 and I'm listening to Andy Stanley talk, I can take what he's doing, drop a zero and do it in my church hmm. because I've got a large enough group. When when a uh, polling company is, is polling uh, the population of the country, for instance, to figure out how they feel about a particular idea or event or candidate, they've got to have what they call a minimum sample size. 
you can't interview 30 Americans and go, here's what America thinks. You've got to interview yeah. these 35 to 100 to 4,000. That's the minimum sample size. And, and the reason is because if you're only interviewing 30 people, individual idiosyncrasies come into play and can really impact the whole. But when you've got a couple thousand, the individual in the idiosyncrasies kind of get washed away in the numbers. So when you apply that to the church, what you've got is the large church pastor goes to the mega church conference and they come home and they drop a zero and they do everything almost exactly. That Venn diagram is almost, those two circles are almost exactly overlapping between 2,000 and 20,000. But when you drop down to 200, the overlap is far, far, far less. You can't just drop a zero anymore. It's not just scaling it down. It's a different type of church that has to be pastored in a totally different way. So the, re- the flip side of the law of large numbers is if you're pastoring a church of 50, the smaller the group, the less predictably it behaves. Because if you're pastoring a church of 50, you may have, you know, you lose one family, you've lost your enchi- entire children's ministries department, right? Or you've got that one awkward person that everybody loves, but the Sunday they don't show up, everybody breathes a little bit easier. Because if on that Sunday a brand new person comes, then... <laughs> That interesting so-and-so isn't going to ruin it for you by acting awkwardly towards them in the lobby, right? Now, that same awkward person is in the church of 2000, but it doesn't have an impact in a church of 2000 beyond the pastor getting a weird email once a week. So where's the greater difference between a church of 50 and 1500 or between a church of 1500 and 15,000? By far, 15 to 1500. Yeah. By Far. 1,500 to 15,000, and I'm speaking theoretically because I've never right. pastored a church of either of those sizes, but everything I'm reading and everybody that I'm talking to confirms this. 1,500 to 15,000 probably has about a 90% overlap. Because mm. by the time you get to 1,500, if you don't already have staff pastors in place and subdivisions for all the different age groups and multiple small groups happening during the week and multiple ministry teams going on and multiple worship teams for all those multiple events— You've got to already have that in place for 1,500, and when you get to 15,000, you've just got 10 times more of that. 10 times more of the same stuff, right. Yeah. Now, there are other things that you can do at 15,000, but it's not a it's not a nearly as significant as going from 1,500 down to 150. So That's then, a huge... So then is that just instructive then to the small church pastor to uh, equip them to go to these conferences and not feel like they can just turn around and come back and plug it right in? Yeah, exactly. When I go to a big church conference, uh, I mean, I've gone to them and I still go to them. And only about a third applies in my situation because our church right now is on the high side of big. We're 170, 180. Um, So maybe a third of it overlaps. But for years, one, I didn't know that it wouldn't all apply. And two, even if I did know only a third of it would apply. I didn't know which third would apply. <laughs> yeah, right. So I was always trying the wrong thing that didn't fit in my situation. And so a big part of what the book tries to, to share with small church pastors is, here's how big and little are, are, are different, so that in your smaller context, when you hear the principles, you can say, okay, that applies, that applies, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't. And it can really trim down and get more impact out of what you're learning, even from the big church conferences. So, Carl, for pastors who don't know about your blog, Pivot, just give them information about that because you now have a repository of just a ton of great blog posts there. Yeah, uh, the blog is on ChristianityToday.com, but quite frankly, it's hard to find by going there. The easiest way to find it is go to my website, NewSmallChurch.com. 
And then it, there's a preview of every single blog post that happens there. And so you click on the preview and it takes you over to Christianity Today. It's just the URL over at Christianity Today is just a little too confusing. So uh, newsmallchurch.com. And I write two to three times a week, and it's on subjects that relate to small churches, big churches, and sometimes just simply church leadership in general, or how the church interacts with the culture and how we can do that a little bit better. Carl, I don't think I've ever known someone with as boundless of a passion as you have. It boggles my mind that you're writing two two things a week <laughs> still. I mean, we've been doing this five years, and you you were doing that, you know, back then. And I you'd you'd think, well, he's you know, that's how you get started. That's how you get this thing built. And um, but you never did this for a platform. You did it out of your passion, and that passion remains, and that is very clear in talking to you. For the last five years, whatever the opposite of writer's block is, I've got that. <laughs> Perfect. you got a lot and, to and, say. And, yeah, and seriously, my problem isn't that I don't have enough ideas to put down. My problem is I don't have enough time to write it all down. I've got pages and pages of stuff. It's just, I don't know why, because I, you know, I was like everybody else for years. I'd like to write a book someday. I'd like to maybe you know, write some magazine articles, a blog post someday, and I never could get the train started. But as soon as I latched onto this, uh, the, the passion has just grown rather than easing off at all. And now I have the opportunity to, you know, continue to to be a, a staff pastor now in a great church that is really leading the way in what a healthy, vibrant, missional small church looks like. And now I get to share that with others, too. So it's just it's just great all around. I'm having the time of my life. Do you see that uh, the dozen or so of us that you that you referenced, do you see that the needle is being moved just a little bit, like in the larger ministry uh, ministry population out there, that people are starting to catch on that small church is not a negative term? Yeah, it is. The last couple of years especially has been really positive for that. When I started doing this, I had um, I actually wrote down three goals. Goal number one was to encourage small church pastors. Goal number one was to resource them whenever I could find anything. And goal number three, which I really didn't think I'd be able to do, was to mainstream the message so that it's not just small church pastors talking to each other off in the corner and mm. becoming even further distance from the rest of our you know, friends and, and co-workers in Christ who are in bigger churches. And that third part in the last year or two has been happening to a, a much bigger degree than I ever anticipated. I'm hearing even in blog posts or in podcasts from some of the big church pastors who are, are now making sure that they qualify their statements about growth with very sincere comments about the value of small. So they'll say something like, I know I'm talking to bigger churches today, and I know we're talking about growth. I want to make sure that even before we do that, I want to honor the small churches out there. And I, ne- I never heard that before. Right. And, and folks like, like Ed Stetzer, for instance, Ed has just been a, a, a massive support for this, uh, wrote a, a great endorsement for the book, uh, along with Tom Rayner, Kerry Newhoff. These are big church growth guys. But Ed, all three of them, but Ed particularly has taken on as a real passion for him, not just the small church, but the rural church. Hmm. He's written maybe a dozen blog posts about the value of rural churches and about the importance of not forgetting our small towns. And that's only come up in the last few years. So there's a lot of encouraging signs out there. You're getting Ed Stetzer-esque, I think, uh, Carl, in your... Uh... <laughs> 
and your writing and your uh, and your books and all that. Um, talk to me about you're you're going to conferences, you're traveling all the time, you're all over the world. I mean, you, it sounds like you, you just got back from your European leg of your journeys. <laughs> uh, talk to me about what you hear from small church pastors. You're there meeting with them. I mean, we get emails, but sitting down with somebody for a cup of coffee or a uh, I suppose a sip of espresso there in Italy where you were. Um, you you are hearing things I'm sure from small church pastors. What are what are the pain points for folks these days? What are the uh, are we still you know crying because we're maligned and uh, not getting any respect as Rodney Dangerfield says? Or or have things moved in the past five years? What are the what are the new issues facing small church pastors? Yeah, I don't know that that needle has moved much for the typical small church pastor in the last mm-hmm. five years because while you and I are in the middle of this conversation, uh, we still haven't cracked into 10% of the pastors out there. 90% of the pastors out there have still never heard of 200 churches or New Small Church or Dave Jacobs or any of those things. They still feel like they're struggling alone. Yeah. Um, so th- this is this is not going to be a quick turnaround. It's going to be slow. It's one church, one pastor at a time. When you do that, uh, and, and part of what I can love and enjoy about it now is now that I've been able to mostly lay the numbers aside, not entirely, not perfect. <laughs> I, I still have some Sundays where I look around and go, where is everybody today? Um, <laughs> but when you can lay it somewhat aside and you can actually sit down and talk with a pastor who says, I read your blog post or I read your book, or I was so encouraged by your conference talk, or I heard, you know, I, I'm here because I heard you on, on 200 churches a couple times. And I, for the first time in a long time, or maybe ever in my ministry, I feel valued. I feel like there really is something we can do as a small church. And now I'm looking for uh, tools and resources that I never even knew were available before. I'm not looking for resources just to get my church bigger. If that happens, I'll take it. Everybody wants that if you can get it. But I'm not looking for growth help. I'm looking for help with health. And I know that my church can be a great church at this size. And thank you for opening my eyes to the idea that this is at least out there to look for, even if I haven't found it all yet. So one by one, there's a hopefulness. And that then spreads through conversation, through healthy churches. And I think we're still at that beginning point of creating the snowman where we're still, you know, packing one snowball at a time onto that base. And at some point within the next few years, we're going to reach a tipping point where it starts to gather its own momentum. And I think on its own, it's going to start pulling people into its wake. But right now, it's you and I, blog post at a time, book book at a time, podcast at a time. Yeah, I think you're right, Carl. I have I have found the same thing. And, and Johnny and I have heard from these pastors who just basically say, yeah, we're, I mean, we feel valued. We're really encouraged. We, we do mm-hmm. think that our small church matters. And it, it's crazy that churches for so long and small church pastors for so long have been carrying that weight of, of negative, uh, self-esteem, of very low self-esteem for, for not just for their church, but for themselves as well. And I think that we are seeing the health of churches increase as the as the self-esteem uh, and self-worth of pastors actually grows. Yeah, th- there's no question about it. It, it. And it's, again, it is a one at a time kind of a thing. But when it does happen, 
it's not when it happens to one pastor at a time, then it's happening to one church at a time. Yeah. So it immediately multiplies out into the the staff and the members of churches. And so that makes makes it, you know, 50 at a time, 75 at a time, 100 at a time that it's happening where people are beginning to renew their passion for ministry and beginning to discover the value that there is in a church of any size. It's it's just a wonderful thing to have those conversations and to see those things taking place. Well, I, I love you've always come on this show and talked about healthy churches, not big churches, healthy churches, not growing churches. That's what pastors need to hear. And I think that's probably what this book is getting at, right? Small Church Essentials is getting at what are the practices of healthy churches and uh, and how then do you become a healthy church. Uh, what what kind of feedback are you getting about that? Yeah, it's been really, really positive. For me, it all comes down to three things, the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, and what I call the Pastoral Prime Directive out of Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. If we can do those three things well, we'll have a healthy church. Now, the first two, we understand clearly, If even if we're not doing them, we at least understand them. Great Commandment, love each other and love those outside Great Commission, make sure we're reaching outside for Jesus. The, the main thing, though, that has really been drilled into my spirit in the last couple of years, especially after talking with so many small church pastors, is this encouragement from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. It is actually the only place in the New Testament where the word pastor is used for a role in the church. A lot of pastors don't even know that. As pastor-centric as our churches are, you'd think there'd be instructions to pastors on every page. Now, there are instructions to bishops and elders and deacons, and those can often mean the same thing. But the word pastor for a title in the church is used only one time in the entire New Testament. And in that passage, they have to share the space with the other four ministry gifts that are mentioned. (laughs) So Ephesians 4.11. Ephesians 4.11 and 12. And it says what the, it gives us the instruction as leaders of the church, pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. Our job is not to do the ministry for people. Our job is to equip the saints to do Mm. the work of ministry. And if I had, if I was only allowed to speak one message to pastors, that's the message I would get out there. We don't need to pastor harder or, or or work, you know, more hours. We need to pastor better and smarter. And better and smarter is don't do all of the work for the people. Equip them to do the work for each other and for the community. Equip the saints to do the work of ministry. That is the mandate that is given to church leaders from no less an authority than the Apostle Paul. And it's the only instruction that includes the word pastor in the role in the church in it. So we really need to take it seriously. And the great thing about it is any size of church can do that. If I, as a pastor, instead of just simply doing ministry for people, try to find just one person that I can teach and equip to step up and to do that ministry alongside of me and then do it on their own, and then I can follow up with them, the more people we turn loose into ministry, the better it will be. The problem is we've got structures in our church that are set up to say exactly the opposite. Theologically, we know it's my job to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. But our structures say, you pay me and I'll study the Bible for you. You pay me and I'll make sure to visit widows and orphans for you. You pay the missionaries and they'll go and evangelize for you. Basically, you pay me and I'll be holy for you. You don't have to be holy yourself. Oh, Carl, we should have kicked off with this. This is a great... (laughs) 
This is awesome because it's stirring my pastoral calling right now pretty hard. And uh, we've got, Johnny and I both have appointments on the hour, and I've got to drive to mine yet. So we won't be able to continue. But that is right there. That is so, so important. And and yeah. hopefully, pastors, you're hearing that. It's not like you haven't heard this before, but I guarantee you, you've forgotten about it, haven't you? Oh, yes, you have. You've forgotten that you're to equip people to do the work of the ministry. And Carl, you, you laid you laid that out great. You know, you pay me and I'll visit wid- widows and orphans for you. It's so bad. And it's so, so limiting. It's so limiting to the church, limiting to the body and limiting to the kingdom. And so burdensome to the pastor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, Carl, this is uh it's been really really good talking to you. Now, I do have 21 minutes of a personal conversation I had with Carl yesterday already recorded. So there Johnny, you go. <laughs> Johnny, I'll share that with you and we could pick the best parts of it and we'll lead off with uh with some really really embarrassing comments. Oh, juicy tidbits. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was the podcast version of leaving your mic on when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> There you go. Exactly. You know, That's actually, exactly right. I'm going to listen back through that because you said some really good things. And I thought to myself, man, I wish I was recording this. And then I remembered, oh, wait, I have it set up I that am. it automatically records. Uh, I'll go back and see it. If there were some good stuff in there, I'm going to, we'll, we'll do some uh, sound bites from Carl. In the, uh, let that be a episode. lesson to all of you the next time any of you talks to Jeff. Oh, yeah. Probably on the record. He's like Nixon, man. He's got tapes of everybody. <laughs> hey, nice. Carl, let's uh, let's let's get together with you again sooner rather than later. This was really good. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Carl. Jeff, I thought it was so interesting. He talked about how a church of you know a church of fifteen hundred has more in common with a church of five thousand than a church of fifteen hundred does a church of fifty, even though they're closer numerically. Yeah. Right. They are. They're completely different. They're completely different animals. And that's what drove him to want to write this book, Small Church Essentials, to say, hey, what they're trying, what they're doing there, it's not just going to fit. So here's you know, a toolbox of things that work in small churches. I think that's very cool. So, Pastor, the next time you pick up a book written by a megachurch pastor, hey, it'll be a great book, and you'll enjoy it and everything, but just know, just know that you're you're reading, if you're playing football, you're reading a book about baseball. So it's a game, and people come and watch it, and you have players, and you keep scoring all that, but it's a different game. Pastor, yeah. it's a different game between your church of 100 to 200 or your church of 50 and their church of 10,000 plus, it's a different game, yeah. right? I mean, it could be the same state, whatever. It, it's in a, it's different, and so yeah. know that. And so read it for encouragement, but don't read it for comparison. Do not compare your ministry with their ministry. I got to say, Carl is living proof of the, you know, the, the idea that you say you are key, consistent messaging over and over and over, say the same thing different ways, and people need to hear it. They want to hear it. He has been he has been saying this message for five years, and this is not a criticism of Carl. It hasn't changed that much. You know what I'm saying? Like he, This is the drum that this man beats, and it needs to be heard, and more and more people are hearing it. Uh, you know, Here we talk about all sorts of things. We bring it back to the small church pastor, but our topics are huge. I mean, I'm reading Walter Brueggemann right now and thinking about having him on the podcast and how crazy that was, uh, but it's all over. This is Carl's 
thing, man. And he is banging this drum. And I'm so glad that more and more small church pastors are getting to hear the the rhythm that he's banging out on this thing because uh, it's beautiful and it's so helpful to small church pastors to hear it. So he said it was going to be one church at a time, one pastor at a time. So if you believe that, Pastor, what you have to do, we kid around a lot, in all seriousness, you have to message a pastor right now. Send them a link to, to one of our last 52 episodes. Pick one that, that you really enjoyed. Send them a link to the episode. Tell them about the 200 Churches podcast. Send them a link to Small Church Essentials by Carl Vaders or to yeah. The Grasshopper Myth. Buy that book and send it to that pastor. Just have it sent yeah. to him or her. Uh, and share the message because pastors need encouragement. They're, I mean, you know. You got you guys, you women, you're, you're dying out there, right? We're dying out there for lack of encouragement, lack mm. of affirmation, lack of relationship, lack of camaraderie, lack of support. So do your part to reach that one more pastor, that one more church, and let them know that, hey, their small church can be a great church, and it probably already is. They just don't know it, and they never hear it. Well, there's not much I can add to that, Jeff. Thanks for lining this up with Carl. Thanks for the passion that you've had for the last, you know, five plus years on this topic and for teaching me so much because now I'm singing the same song. (laughs) I mean, it's to anybody who will listen and it's beautiful. We love you men and women who are leading in small churches. I mean, we love pastors of all size churches, Uh, but our heart really beats for you here. And uh, we hope you've been encouraged and we'll see you next week on the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and to access every one of our hundreds of past episodes, go to 200churches.com slash podcast. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with yet another brand new awesome episode recorded specifically for small church pastors just like you. So until next week, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church. Oh. It was good. It was good. It's just like, I didn't even get started till like 8.30. When and, were you done? Well, I was done uh, 10.45. Okay. Well, two hours and 15 minutes and you were working fast. I'm pretty, I'm not, I'm not, I don't do a heavy hand a lot of times, you know? Okay, okay, can I tell you, can I tell you, I had to shorten some gaps that you left in the in and out from last week. Johnny, you just hogged, hogged, slopped it right out there. How? And you know you did. You go back through my work? They were short, they're just the intro and outro, it's short. That's offensive. That's offensive to me. You double check my work. I just, you know, whatever. You can double check my work anytime. Why would I double check? I trust you implicitly. Oh, it's, you know what? I've got. I've gotten worse. Actually, I've gotten worse <laughs> about this stuff. Okay, quick. Let's do the. Let's do the outro here. Then I got to tell you. I got to tell you about my about my sermon uh, uh, critique. All right. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Bloop.